0: So when somebody asks me about my dyslexia, I'm dyslexic through and through. I wake up dyslexic, I eat dyslexic, I dance dyslexic, I do everything dyslexic because it's my, the way my mind works.
1: From the Understood Podcast Network, this is How'd You Get That Job? A podcast that explores the unique and often unexpected career paths of people with learning and thinking differences. My name is Eleni Matteo and I'm a user researcher here at Understood. That means I spend a lot of time thinking about how we find jobs we love that reflect how we learn and who we are. I'll be your host. My next guest, Gil Gershony, identifies as dyslexic, an artist, an entrepreneur, a father, a husband, and a pretty good table tennis player. Being dyslexic is in everything he does because it's how his mind works. He sleeps, eats, and breathes dyslexic. Gil is the founder and creative director of the branding firm Groshoni Creative. He's also the founder of Dyslexic Design Thinking, a methodology he uses to work with clients to see things from new perspectives. Dyslexic Design Thinking has led to a number of initiatives that are changing the narrative of dyslexia as a disability to a hyper ability. He also advocates for more inclusive and neurodiverse teams and organisations. He credits his creativity, visual and emotional intelligence, out-of-the-box nonlinear thinking and unique ways of solving problems to being dyslexic. Welcome to the show, Gil.
0: Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here.
1: So you're the founder and creative director of a successful branding firm, Grishoni Creative. You also have a podcast called Dyslexic Design Thinking, where you talk about a lot of the topics that I think we'll cover today. Talk to me about how you think your dyslexia contributed to your success.
0: Well, maybe a good place to start is to sort of reframe what I see dyslexia is versus what uh, the dictionary or the common sort of misunderstood yeah. meaning of it is. Most folks that you ask, oh, you have dyslexia, oh, you do the letter, you flip them, you have a hard time reading. And that's true. Um, first thing to know is that dyslexics come in all different uh, form just like is a big umbrella for different types of minds and different types of ways of processing the world around them. The symptoms of not being able to read easily or write easily really has to do with the idea that I negotiate everything. My mind looks at letters as uh, negotiable symbols. And most people that read easily, they don't negotiate the letters. To them, they're fixed symbols that they refer to as just, you know, a string of codes and cues and things, and then they... Can read the word, but for me, when I look at letters, I tend to sort of negotiate them. I tend to look underneath, below, above, and I do it all at the same time. But you take the same symptoms of learning differences, and you apply it as a strength. And all of a sudden, I can visualize like nobody's business. I problem solves and come up with solutions that are not uh, obvious to the regular or to the traditional mindset, and I can connect people and things from different places with the blink of an eye, I think immensely fast. A lot of dyslexic find their path of entrepreneurship because they can then you know, create their own story, look at the organizations' problems and in industries in a whole new way. And I think a lot of dyslexic, and I think I have it similarly, I have a tremendous amount of empathy because I can relate to folks and I, I'm trying to listen not only to the words, but to where they come from, their whole body what's their intention. So those are some of the things that the gift of dyslexia and the strength of it has been huge uh, part of my um, success and the way that I look at the world around me, you know.
1: I know that you really put yourself out there to get your first job. Do you want to tell that story and how, you know, that, like what that taught you about your dyslexia and the kind of person that you are? I always, you
0: know, when I first had a paper route, I figured that because I was very young and they only give me X amount of roots um, that I can't really, there's not a lot of room for grow, growing that, 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 that root. So I said, okay, what if I get my cousins and my brother to extend the route and then they'll work underneath, you know, under me. And, and we were able to sort of grow our paper root to, to, to a much larger neighborhood. We did it for all sorts of different things that I went to all the summer camps in my, in my uh, community and, I must have been nine years old and says, you know, I want to perform for the kids. And the camp director says, you are one of the kids. What, what are you <laughs> going to perform? And I says, no, no, no. And I had a little dove, a little, you know, in my, my bag and I showed him, I had a pigeon and I did a little bit of a trick and he was like, okay. So he said, yeah, let's, let's try one show." And I was like, no, either I do the whole summer camp for all the, all the sessions or I don't do it at all. And he was like, and this, I'm sure, I, I, I'm sure I don't know this person today, but I'm sure that he was just like, "You got to be kidding me, man! This is a nine-year-old with a pigeon <laughs> on a bike, trying to close, you know, the whole summer season." And he gave me the shows, you know, and I got my brother and my niece to participate, and we would do a 35 to 45 minutes performances twice a day at the summer camp. And we earn some decent money for it. So I always kind of like to think about those things, you know, and, and take the leap. When it came to, to, to doing some branding work, I remember I was at university and I was at an administrative office and the phone rang and the person, you know, says, oh, and she put the person that rang on the phone on hold and said, they're looking for somebody to design um, the Miami Grand Prix auto race. Do we know anyone? And I says I was just there, and I was like, "Oh, I, I, I that's what I do." Can I pick up the phone? And he's like, "Sure." So I got up the phone and I talked yeah. to the guy, and I was like, "Absolutely, what it is you guys are looking for?" And he says, "Well, we're gonna need some merchandising. We need to some brand the city of Miami with Toyota and the branding and um, all these things." And I says, "Absolutely, um, let's meet and put this together." I must've worked for that gentleman for about uh, five or six years. And and through the process, I include, you know, I brought one of my dear friend that was an illustrator to join another friend that was a writer. And I just created this sort of small little team and we're just, we're taking these projects on and we would always go and meet with this guy and, or, or the team at the time, figure out what they needed. And then sort of, faked it until we made it. And uh, we made it very quickly because <laughs> we had to figure out how to deliver these things. And yeah, I think that's that's something that I've heard from a lot of dyslexics, that we sort of marched our own drumbeat, We found our own paths, you know, and uh, if, I, if I went to a proper interview and had to write something and do it, I would probably would never get the job. But the fact that it just sort of, I was open to it. I was at the right place at the right time. And I just kind of took the leap you know, kind of change, change the outcome. And it happens every time. I mean, every everything we do is it sort of starts somewhere around that place,
1: yeah, i uh, I love that phrase, take the leap. You know, you you have mentioned entrepreneurship a couple times, and obviously, you're an entrepreneur yourself. And I noticed that you had also written an article about, you know what makes dyslexics such good successful entrepreneurs i would love for you to talk about like how that's relevant to your career and your success and if you can apply some of those you know principles to yourself
0: yeah um i love that you sort of grabbed the idea of the leap because that's what we do with language right we leap over letters we leap over ideas <laughs> um you know, often, you know, it's, it's harder for me to be linear. I have to, to really focus on trying to stay linear. Uh, but leaping is something that comes naturally to me. And, you know, so as, as, as an entrepreneur, I tend to sort of leap. You know, I tend to leap through ideas. I tend to leap toward direction. I tend to see the world around and connect things that maybe are not apparent to the eye. And meticulous, you know, because I can see the details I described before, I can see the details between how this particular screw in my watch can change the manufacturing, can benefit the the, the economics and help us actually deliver something that weighs less so we can sell a less expensive product and, and and manage our margins, right? Like I can see all the details in the blink of an eye and I think that that's part of uh, what's a very keen gift of the dyslexia and been very successful for me as an entrepreneur is I see the immense details. Sometimes it's too much. So I I have to choose (laughs) like to what, you know, because it's this, I can see imbalances. I can see when things don't align right or don't vibrate right. You know, mental visioning is Something again, that dyslexic do really well, you know, I think probably for two parts: one is that, as I said, I can see things that connect to each other, but also practice over the years to memorize visual cues and where can I find them and um and that sort of developed this sort of photographic memory, but also the ability, very strong ability to mentally visualize um what I'm trying to do, where I'm trying to go, how the pieces uh, fit. And when you do that, then you have a clear map to where to go. You know? And when you have a clear map to where to go, the economy of effort is much more focused toward a desired outcome. And you can then account on it, you can measure it, you can evolve it, you can adjust it. Um, it's only when you're not so clear about the direction that you spend a lot of energy sort of fishing to where we have to go. So mental visualing is a really, really strong tool that is a dyslexic I use uh, every day um and in everything I do, you know,
1: I know some people in the disability community prefer like person first language, like people with dyslexia, and then other people prefer, you know, identity first language like dyslexic people. And I've heard you use the term like I'm dyslexic and it seems that you tend to use identity first language. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear your perspective of that and like if there's a particular reason that that is how you prefer to identify and refer to yourself.
0: Let's talk about the idea that dyslexia didn't happen to me. I was born with it. Um, I'm not broken, so I don't need to be fixed. My mind thinks immensely fast, nonlinearly, and as I practice to have a relationship with my dyslexia, it's my hyperability. So when somebody asks me about my dyslexia, I'm dyslexic through and through. I wake up dyslexic, I eat dyslexic, I dance dyslexic, I do everything dyslexic because it's my, the way my mind works. I just think immensely fast and often faster than most. I practice having a relationship with it, like everybody with an amazing mind, practicing their gift, their skill, their talent. Most people think it's my learning differences, but that's the least of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> really the least of it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's such a big part of who you are. I know that you said dyslexia is forever present, but um, can you give some examples of how you might apply it to like work and your management style, like where it comes up?
0: So when I was younger, I used to get really frustrated with the world around me because it would go so slow, you know, and, and I would have to kind of really wait and have a lot of patience for others to literally think the answers. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, we already know the answer, you know, and, but I, you know, so I would get so frustrated. I'm, and I'm, I'm
1: laughing because I can relate. Oh, i like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get the point. I get the point.
0: Totally. You know, and, and a <laughs> lot of it's great. You don't have to be dyslexic to relate to that. But what I learned over the years is that it was very important for me to rely on other m- ways of thinking, to bring my team and, and work closely with my partners and clients to work together. And in order to do that, I needed to find ways to in- accommodate for different types of ways of thinking and different types of way of solving problems and different types of way of looking at problems. Um, so I've learned to, as I said a minute ago, to slow down, to move fast, but I also learned to try to create a balance. You know, identifying my strength and my weaknesses, exp- expressing that to my team so that they have room for themselves to have their strengths and differences. So we can actually work as a cohesive team and understand Mm. how to integrate our thoughts to create a better outcome. We look at collaboration as working together through different lenses to come up with a much better inclusive outcome and arrive at the summit together. You know, who wants to climb the mountain and get to the view and be like, oh, where is everyone? You know, (laughs) so for us, it was always around kind of, How do we make it inclusive? How do we use all of our senses? How do we use different lenses to look at um, human experiences and how to address them? And, you know, that's a lot of the things we do around our team and working with others to kind of bring some of that dyslexia strength to the table.
1: Yeah. Sounds like you really advocate for having a neurodiverse team. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: If you want to solve a problem the same way you always have, choose a person like yourself to do it. If you want to (laughs) solve a problem differently, then be open-minded to bring somebody else to maybe shed light about a different angle or perspective. It doesn't mean that it's either or. It means that it's
1: both. You share your strengths and challenges with your team, and it sounds like you kind of model that openness. Is that something that you generally advocate for in the workplace, for people to be open about, you know? Differences and kind of disclose any challenges that they might be having? I lead by example.
0: So, what tends to happen is that they see that I, you know, I talk about it, I take daily risks, I reward failing forward, I embrace experimentation, I really reward and, and support and believe in coachability. And when you you know when you experience that, then you develop your own road and pursuit to your own identity, as as, as it is to you, and and with the experience that you come to to the moment with that. So uh, everybody is different, you know, and every environment is different. Sometimes it's about seeing it in others and making the environment inclusive for them, so they can just relax, regardless of their differences. Everybody's where they're at, and we absolutely respect that, you know.
1: I think a lot of these concepts that you've talked about kind of fit into this like idea of dyslexic design thinking, which I know is a concept that you came up with. So I would love for you to talk about how that came about and like what your vision is for organizations in terms of how they can incorporate dyslexic design thinking into, you know, their teams.
0: So dyslexic design thinking came about Um, A while back when I gave a talk at South by Southwest with a good colleague of mine and a partner and uh, at the time strategist, April Durrett, and we looked at the way we work. You know, she was a strategist, a researcher, uh, I'm so creative, and I was not, and I was non-linear, and she was. And so we always found ways to collaborate in ways that were different than our colleagues at other agencies. And so we really kind of start to look at what it is that we're doing that's different, and we kind of start to realize it's the way that we dance together that makes our outcomes stronger. It comes from the idea that dyslexia thinking it's really around the visualization, imagination. It's around problem solving, connecting to others, as we just talked about, building team, finding the outside of the box solutions. And when you look at design thinking, it's really using the methodologies of designing and making, right? So it's around finding inspiration in the world and looking to human behavior. It's using the empathy, understanding others. So when we combine all those types of methodologies, we realized that there were really something or something unique, that when we include the neurodivergent mindset, the dyslexia gift, the dyslexia thinking with the design philosophy of what we were doing at the agency, it came out, um, you know, just just to be something that was really successful for us. You know, dyslexia thrives in the nonlinear. And instead of trying to tone that down, we found places where that really helps that process to uh, define and discover and that really applies to everything we do at the agency from um, working with our own clients, with a team, but also with our culture, you know, because we really look at every part of the stepping stone and those process with that lens. And we bring a lot more to it because of our inclusiveness and our diverse thinking of how to address the problem and address human needs, you know.
1: When you started out in Brandy, did you think you would end up doing such like, so much work in the dyslexic space? Like, what what is it like working in a space that's so personal to you?
0: No. And I don't even think that I'm working in the dyslexic space right now, although I'm really involved in it. I, I'm doing so much about it because it's what draws me, you know? It's like when you align and you come from a place of the heart and you work on it. Then, at least for me, there's a draw that happens. You know, it's not work, it's just mm. attraction. It's, um, it's just the right thing to do and I get so much out of it and it's it pays in space to the community and it's kind of selfish, you know. I'm doing because I wanna learn more, you know. Just talking to you, I'm learning so much. I'm like, you know, how can I say no to this, you know? So I end up saying yes to everything. And, you know, we, we just finished designing the Schwab Learning Center, which is a dyslexia center that was supporting some students in Stanford and in high schools around how to take their dyslexia and turn it into a, a hyper ability and kind of so so it just lead you to different places to make, to make a difference. I was always interested in the idea of the perception, you know, what, what happened between the subject and the object. You know, when I was a young boy, I was always interested in the idea of first impressions, love at first sight. How do you control the, you know, you know, how do you control that illusion? You know? So I start to read a lot around the psychology of magic and misdirection and uh, how can you bring an audience, a large audience to believe that something that you can change gravity or that you can uh, <laughs> affect, you know, the elements. Um, and, and that really drew me. And I think that I was always playing with that kind of narrative. It, earlier and I didn't realize that that was my dyslexia, but I still do today, you know. I'm the first to sort of play and I'm the first to sort of, change the direction and said we've never done it before this way let's go this way and it was like really yeah it's gonna be much more interesting <laughs> and uh and then you kind of it's kind of addicting you fall in love with that
1: well thank you so much for having this conversation with me uh, it was magic
0: that was such a pleasure i really appreciate your time this was really insightful and uh i really enjoyed it thank you very much for having me
1: You've been listening to How'd You Get That Job from the Understood Podcast Network. The show is for you, so we want to make sure you're getting what you need. Email us at thatjob@understood.org with your thoughts about the show. Or maybe you'd like to tell us how you got that job. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to learn more about the topics we covered today, check out the show notes for this episode. We include more resources as well as links to anything we mentioned in the episode. Understood.org is a resource dedicated to helping people who learn and think differently, discover their potential, and thrive. Learn more at understood.org mission. How to you get that job is produced by Margie DeSantis and edited by Grace Tatter. Brianna Berry is our production director. Our theme music was written by Justin D. Wright, who also mixes for the show. For the Understood Podcast Network, Laura Key is our editorial director. Scott Kashir is our creative director. And Seth Melnick is our executive producer. And I'm your host, Eleni Matteo. Thanks again for listening.